And I've been personally convicted because, you know, because I did see a demon and that was a part of my testimony. And then I did fall into the fear of, oh my gosh, I don't want to let a demon in to where I feel like that was a big part of the focus of my podcast. But I'm really wanting to move towards focusing on what heaven is doing. Hey everybody, and welcome to the Raised and Redeemed podcast and YouTube channel. I'm your host, Michaela Nikolenko, and I started this show after finally finding my home in Christ. I grew up in a home with lots of abuse and addiction where Christianity became something that repelled me. I spent my early adulthood seeking God in other religions, tarot cards, psychedelics, and even myself. I didn't realize how much hell I had pulled up into my life until I came face to face with the dark side of the spirit world and Jesus fought hard to save me. Now I live to serve his will and host a platform where others can share their story too. If you're looking for a show that talks about real things and provides encouragement for those who have been to the dark side and back, this is the show for you. Make sure to rate, subscribe, and share this show with anyone that you feel might be encouraged by it too. Quick disclaimer, what we can agree on here is that we love Jesus and he is our Lord and Savior. I don't filter what my guests say, so there will most likely be something along the way that you don't agree with, and that's okay. I highly recommend spending time researching and praying about anything that gets said that might trouble you. With all that said, thank you so much for joining me, and welcome to the Raised and Redeemed family. Hey, you guys, what is up? Welcome back to the Raised and Redeemed podcast. So this is your host, Michaela, and I have been both so excited and so nervous for the episode that I'm doing today because today we're actually doing a solo pod. So if you've listened to Raised and Redeemed for some time now, you know that usually I have a guest on who either shares their expertise or mostly their testimony, you know, what they've what God has done in their life. And for me, like, I love that. I love to hear, you know, different perspectives, to see different sides of God and what he's done for and shown other people. And I also love to ask other people questions because I would consider myself, you know, still a baby Christian. I came to the Lord in 2021. And if you know a little bit about my testimony, I know you hear some of it in the intro, but Jesus saved me from, you know, a life in the new age world. I was an exotic dancer in adulterous relationships, you know, believed I was a goddess, all these, you know, demonic teachings. I was deep in that. And I ended up seeing a demon. And, you know, while all the other religious philosophies, moral philosophies might, there might've been some truth to that. I realized after seeing this demon that, okay, if this is real, Everything else must be real too. And I needed Jesus to help me fight that. Um, So, this is what brought me home to Jesus. And then, you know, after that, I realized okay, Jesus is the truth, the way, and the life. But I had so many other questions. And I I used Raised and Redeemed as a, a vehicle to having other, you know, more advanced or long, longer tenured Christians come on or you know, even baby Christians too, who have just seen God move in a profound way, come on and share their story of what God has done. And this podcast has also been a way for me to just sort of get clear on what my own personal convictions are. So I didn't realize that over the span of season two, that I was going into some controversial 
areas. I had no idea until I had a reel go viral on Facebook. I think it reached over 300,000 views. Um, and I was getting lots of comments from, you know, people who are part of the body of Christ who had different perspectives on the things that we were discussing. And just to say, you know, this was a deliverance prayer reel. And so I started to realize, you know, a couple of things about that. A, how controversial this topic was, and B, how many people were seeking deliverance and seeking healing and, you know, talking about these things. And so this is going to be some of the some of the stuff that I'm going to be reflecting on with you guys today. I took some polls on uh, the YouTube community section, the Instagram stories, the Facebook page, just about what you guys want to hear me talk about slash reflect on. And what do you know? A lot of it is, you know, what do I see in the church today? How did I move out of the new age? Um, you know, the recently saved ex new ager fear mentality, um, my perspective on deliverance, just some of these things. So if these are topics you're interested in hearing about, definitely stick through to the end of this episode. I just want to say really quick too, just a big thank you to everyone who has either been a guest on the Raised and Redeemed podcast or listened, you know, been a, a faithful listener and engaged and given me your feedback and your comments because I really do take into account everything you guys share with me. And a lot of times, you know, when I don't have answers, this leads me more to my Bible and to prayer and to asking people uh, who are farther along in their walk with Jesus. And it's just really pushed me to branch out and continue to grow. And, you know, I feel like that's the point. I think that's the point of all of this. Like, we're not going to get everything right all the time. And that's why I like to actually play it safer and hear mostly what people's testimonies are, because that is that is so real. Like, that is what God has done specifically, personally, to and for them. And that we can speak on with like a boldness and confidence, but more of like the apologetics, like specific Bible truths, like that stuff takes time. So I want to just assure you too, you know, as your podcast host, that I take that responsibility very seriously. And things that I'm doing to grow in that is reading my Bible cover to cover. I read my Bible every morning um, and I'm listening to the Bible Project, which is, you know, a daily like five to 10 minute podcast, just recapping what I read. And so it's my goal to be done with, you know, the Bible in a year, sometime around here next year, um, to make sure that I'm equipped for, you know, what's happening here. So, and then another thing is reaching out to an apologetics pastor at my church, somebody who actually is well-versed in this to ask them questions. Um, and then, yeah, continuing to have conversations in the comments, hearing you guys your guys' reflections, that is all just super helpful for me and your fellow listeners. Like we're all figuring this out. We're all on different ends of the spectrum in our walk with God. And so, yeah, just thank you for being here. Thank you for being a part of the podcast. And without further ado, let's get on to the questions. What do you guys say? So question one, this one came from Instagram. Um, Anna asked, how have you developed out of that post new age paranoia over time? I.e it's all demonic. So that's actually an amazing question. And it's spot on with where I'm at in my walk with the Lord right now. Um, and this is the thing that I want to talk about most 
on the podcast today. So a couple of points with this is the legalism. So I think that it's really normal for ex-New Agers to, you know, come to Jesus, realize that they had been deceived, and then tend towards a little bit more of the legalistic side. And I think that that's an important part of the process of, you know, realizing I was so open to everything that I got hurt. I let my soul get hurt. And then to be more protective of yourself, close yourself off. Like this is the truth. Jesus is the truth. Um, And then to sort of like see things black and white, you know, for a while. And I walked through that as well, where I was, you know, probably more legalistic than I am today, but I don't hate on that part of my journey because that's what helped keep me protected and made me feel safe as a new believer in my walk with Christ. Having just seen the depths of darkness that I saw, this helped me, you know, believe that I was, I was safe. I was walking obedient to the Lord. And that's still so important. Like it's so important, you know, to be obedient, but I have come to a place too, where I realized that, you know, what, what Jesus did on the cross was a completed work. You know, he died for us. And I don't think, you know, you should be peeking around the corner every two seconds, you know, for a demon. I, I definitely, I think fell into a little bit of that fear mentality of thinking like, of being afraid that anything I might do might let in a demon. And so I'm definitely not an expert on this, but there are people who are. Okay. So one of the podcasts I listen to is the Cultish podcast. And they recently had an interview, um, April 11th with Michael Jones. Michael Jones, and the episode is called Debunking Pagan Holiday Myths. And I love this episode. I feel like I listened to this episode and it just helped set me free because as a new Christian, you know, and especially as somebody who came out of the new age, you start hearing how like all these holidays are rooted in paganism. And if you practice this, it's going to let demons in. If you put a pumpkin by your door, it's going to let demons in. And just all this, if you eat candy, that was passed out on Halloween, a witch might have cursed it. And, you know, you could be consuming demons and it's really easy to fall into fear. And so I love this episode, um, you know, with the cultish hosts and Michael Jones, because like I said, it was just so liberating where, you know, he just explained how the work on the cross, like that was Jesus's finished work. Okay. And so Yes, there are evil spirits out there. Yes, demons are real. Yes, you know, there are witches who are probably trying to curse candy. But I just don't think as a believer, as somebody in Christ, that we have to be as afraid of this as we are. I mentioned how, you know, I had that Facebook reel go viral and I was hearing all these different perspectives of people who are in the body of Christ who have different perspectives of can Christians actually be demonized? Like if you are covered in the blood of Jesus, you are a born again believer, can demons actually afflict you? And a lot of people have differing perspectives on this. So I found this article on Bible.org that I'm just going to, I'm going to read some of it to you guys. Okay. So it says, Certainly, Satan and his demons can never separate 
true believers from the love of God, as Romans 8, 38 through 39 says, for I'm convinced that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor heavenly rulers, nor things that are present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus, our Lord. With that said, demons can severely demonize and torment believers in such a way that they may need intervention from other believers. We see many examples in scripture of demons severely tormenting slash demonizing believers. With Saul, he was tormented by a demon who was sent by God, 1 Samuel 16, 14. Scripture seems to indicate that Saul was saved and yet he was strongly tormented and influenced by a demon. Another example of a believer who was afflicted by a demon was the Jewish woman who had been di disabled by a demon for 18 years, Luke 13, 11. Christ called her a daughter of Abraham, which seems to refer to her being a true believer. Likewise, Paul was apparently physically afflicted by a demonic spirit, the demon that attacked him was said to be a thorn in his flesh, which probably referred to some type of physical disease, 2 Corinthians 12, 7. Even Job had a physical disease which was caused by Satan. Job 2, 7 says, So Satan went out from the presence of the Lord, and he afflicted Job with a malignant ulcer from the sole of his feet to the top of his head. Also, when Ananias lied about the money he offered to the apostles, Peter said this to him, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit? Acts 5.3 Satan had filled his heart, referring to his mind, will, and emotions. With Peter himself, when he tried to discourage Christ about going to the cross, Christ, instead of rebuking Peter, rebuked the one speaking through him, Satan. Matthew 16, 23. When it comes to a believer being demonized, the main issue doesn't seem to be whether the affliction or temptation is from the inside or outside. It seems hard to argue that believers in the Bible who are afflicted physically, like Job, the disabled Jewish woman, and probably Paul, are not being afflicted internally. The main issue seems rather to be an issue of the amount of control a demon or demons have or the severity of the affliction. Clearly, there are various levels of control that demons can have over a believer, including handicapping the body, Luke 13, 16, tormenting them mentally, 1 Samuel 16, 14, influencing them to do evil, Acts 5, 3, and speaking through them, Matthew 16, 23. Though God has conquered sin and Satan on the cross, many believers do not avail themselves of that spiritual victory and do not take advantage of their spiritual resources, such as the armor of God. Therefore, those believers become captives to sin and Satan, though they have victory in Christ. There, there are people in the church who have fallen into the devil's trap through sin, false teaching, or both, and they need to come to their senses. Certainly, there are various levels of control that Satan and demons have over true believers, and like Timothy, we must minister to them in hope that God will grant them grace to escape the trap of the devil or find relief from his attacks. Okay, so thank you for sticking through. I just wanted to read that 
all the way through. Again, that was from Bible.org. Um, I found this to be very helpful because, you know, like I said, there's people all over the spectrum that believe, you know, people can be afflicted by demons, but not people who have the Holy Spirit because, you know, the argument is that demons don't like to dwell in the same place that the Holy Spirit dwells. But then there's the argument of the verse about how, you know, our flesh is always warring against our spirit. And so if we have this flesh, then is that where demons work in torment? Um, which leads to this, you know, warring against each other. And based on this article, it just, it, it seems kind of obvious to me that true believers, based on all these examples that I just read, can still be afflicted by demons. But the main problem is that he says at the end of the article, these believers become captives to sin and Satan, though they have victory in Christ. Because they're not claiming their victory in Christ. So believing the lie that, you know, the devil can can do these things or has this kind of power over you and not recognizing the finished work on the cross, not um, going to your your sources, um, the, the armor of God, not putting on your armor of God, knowing your word, knowing what God says, knowing how he said he set you free. If you don't know these things, then you're more likely to believe lies from demons. Um, and this is a daily exercise. You know, when I fall into anxiety or fear or different things, I have to remember my Bible, you know, that God has plans to prosper me and give me a future, that he loves me, that he set me free. All of these verses, and that's why I am practicing on reading my Bible every day, because this is the sword of God so that when these things that aren't true, that are being whispered by demons come into my mind, I have the verse to to go to battle with those things that are lies um, and claim my freedom in Christ. But that's also not to say that just because somebody is a true believer in Christ and has been baptized by the Holy Spirit, that they won't experience trouble in this world. I think that idea would be, you know, a bit of prosperity gospel. So I want to point this out really quick that even Jesus said in John 16, 33, in this world, you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. So when we come up against these trials, tribulations, temptations, uh, you know, even the demonic activity, remembering the one who died for our freedom, remembering that it is finished in his name, that Jesus has overcome the world is going to be what helps us to endure those things. Even with Job and his testings, yes, he was a true believer. The thing wasn't, you know, can a, a true believer be afflicted or demonized or how much can a demon mess with a true believer? No, but this this proved his his belief, his loyalty to God, his faithfulness, in God, it strengthened his relationship with God. So just keep that in mind, even when you, you know, if you are a Christian, come up against these inevitable trials and tribulations. So I went through a season of really wondering if I had a demon. And that's why I was asking so many of my guests on the show about deliverance. And that was so helpful for me. And, you know, I don't know, like, was it a demon afflicting me or was it just my flesh? Was it just the journey of sanctification and renewing my mind and becoming more like Jesus and getting rid of old addictions and patterns and habits um, and patterns of thought 
maybe this was just something on my flesh. Maybe it was a demon. I don't know. But this did lead me to looking up deliverance prayers. And so I will tell you, I was in my room, on my knees, crying out to God, saying these deliverance prayers out loud, casting out, rebuking evil spirits. And so whether or not there really was an evil spirit afflicting me or it was my own flesh, regardless, this led me to strengthening my prayer life with God. And maybe that was a part of the point. There was this deliverance event that my husband and I came across during this time in my life. Um, This was just a few weeks ago, you know, maybe a couple months ago. And it was a deliverance event here in Boca where we live. And we went to this event and we were the only ones that I noticed anyways that left early because this event was just throwing us completely off. Okay, it didn't feel right. It didn't feel like the Holy Spirit was in this for us. Maybe for some people, they felt like he was, but for us, we did not feel God. We thought this was weird. And, you know, our final straw was when the deliverance minister got on stage and was asking for money for like 25 minutes. And he had everybody who gave money stand, leaving everybody who didn't give money sitting there feeling so awkward. And for us, we were just like, this does not feel like the love of God. And so that sort of put a bad taste in my mouth and made me start to think about these deliverance ministers and false prophets out there. Because like I said, people are waking up and people are realizing that they need help and they need healing. And there might be demons afflicting them. Like they might be coming up against generational curses and fighting these battles. And so people are looking out, out there, you know, for help, for a prophet, for somebody to, to help them. And there are a lot of wolves in sheep clothing. And so, like I said, like I'm not an expert on this, but I am having someone on the podcast tomorrow who reached out to me. Um, her name is Brianna Petty, and she wanted to just talk about these things and all of the wolves in sheep clothing out there. So be sure to you know listen to the next episode after this one, because we will be talking more about this. And then also just on that topic, I had another friend randomly, not randomly, because I know I know how God works and he be putting thoughts in our minds to reach out to people. And, you know, even if it's just sending them that TikTok you saw. And so I had a friend share with me a video from Jackie Hill Perry that I'm actually going to play for you guys. Let's see. Let me pull that up here. Okay. Stop. And I just saw this clip on TikTok with this so-called prophet. He does this like shimmy thing and this girl falls out and her body starts to kind of contort a little bit. And the hashtags are like, Holy Spirit, Holy Ghost. But it's like her body is moving the same way that I've seen in people who have what's called a kundalini awakening, where their body starts to move like a snake. And it's like, that's not, that's not the Holy Ghost. Because when people in Acts 2 were filled with the Holy Ghost, what did they do? They worshiped. They, they, they did speak in another tongue, which was an actual language that actually was praising God and discernible by the people who spoke the same, like irritated because I kind of grew up in that world where people chase after prophets and they esteem them. And a lot of it is because people aren't reading their Bibles. So they are not satisfied with the word of God 
as being the ultimate prophetic authority over their own life. But that's neither here nor there. But when they come to these prophets, they have these high expectations. So their hearts are super open and available. They got their hands lifted. And this Negro done put some demons into into the atmosphere. But, you know, because it's it's strange and therefore it looks transcendent, then it, it must be the Holy Ghost. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, since we're here, I just got to put this out here because I be seeing y'all share these people and I'm like, do they, some of these prophets, so-called prophets are witches or are mediums. And so they do know certain facts. They do know certain details because demons do too. Okay. Some of these people legitimately, I have friends that will tell you that they will go to a witch doctor to get certain powers that they can then unleash in the church. And because we lack the discernment needed to see them for the possessed prophet that they are, we just like, oh, he gave me a word about my life. A psychic could do that. You know what I'm saying? So, so how do we discern? We discern how Jesus said, you will know a tree by its fruit examine the fruit. What is their message? Is it about Jesus? Is it about the gospel? When they lay hands on people, are they preaching repentance ever? One of these so-called prophets have a conversation with a man who was, he said that he, he saw in the spirit that he was an alcoholic. Okay, that's cool. So I'm like, what is he going to do next? Next, he's like, but God is going to deliver you. And so he lays hands on him. And it's like, huh, addiction is idolatry. So are we not going to preach repentance? Are we not going to tell? Because when you read Isaiah, when you read Jeremiah, when you read Zechariah, when you read Amos, when you when you read how the prophets of the old, even John the Baptist, what were they preaching? Repent, repent from your sins. <laughs> so if you don't preach repentance and faith, then you don't actually set people up to respond to God. What you do is you put them in the position where every time they need freedom, where do they go? Back to you. Okay, that was so good. So I was deep in the New Age world before coming to Christ. And, you know, I went to a lot of the New Age uh, teachers, the gurus, you know, all these masters. And it was the same thing that they did. They would find out what these people were afflicted by. You know, what is the wound? What is the thing they're trying to get free from? And then they would give them some kind of temporary solution, either leading them back to, oh, my next event, my next retreat, or like some kind of drugs like ayahuasca or psychedelics, leading them to demons, demons and them. And so then you become dependent on these people rather than becoming dependent on God and seeking God for your salvation. So that's something that I definitely fear about, you know, seeing these deliverance ministers everywhere. And just like I said, like I'm seeing a bunch of wolves in cheap clothing. And I realized a few weeks ago, you know, I got on TikTok and I was seeing somebody casting out demons from this girl who got a demon from drinking Starbucks. And, you know, it was this whole thing about how the demon came in through Starbucks and because the mermaid is the siren and a demon on her cup. And I like was messed up for the whole next day because I love Starbucks and, you know, this is a Starbucks cup I'm drinking here in the video, um, drinking from in this video. And I was like, oh my gosh, like, am I letting demons in with these things? And I just started to walk around with like this fear all the time that I'm like letting in demons. And I finally realized like, once again, going back to what I started with, like Jesus died for me. 
his work on the cross was enough. And I'm not worshiping these things. Like these things are idols for me. If you're still, you know, blatantly disobeying, if different things are still idols in your life, like for instance, Jackie Hill Perry talked about the alcohol, you need to repent and give up those idols. Absolutely repent, give up all those idols, come to God, seek God earnestly. But also like, don't be fearing a demon around every corner. You know, if you are walking in obedience, I just think believers are becoming way too afraid. I think we're become, we're carrying this spirit of fear that Jesus did, does not want us to have. And why? So that we will continue seeking them, seeking these false prophets, um, rather than resting in the peace that Christ afforded us. So that's all I'm going to say about that for right now. Uh, once again, I am going to be I'm going to be continuing to discuss this. Our next episode is going to be with uh, Flourishing Faith Ministries, Brianna Petty. She's coming on the show to talk about these things a little bit more, um, about deliverance a little bit more, and just, like I said, the wolves in sheep clothing, so that we're aware, you know, that we're not falling into this trap, that we're standing strong um, and standing in the freedom that Christ died for us to have. Okay, so the next question, let's move on to the next question. So I'm going to keep this one anonymous just because it is a little bit more vulnerable. Um, but our friend and listener said, I don't know how to stop being too cerebral. I don't know how to create a relationship with God. I suffer from moderate ADHD, depression, and anxiety. It's improved since coming to Christ, but these conditions make it hard to follow God. I overthink things and I don't know what to do. How do you create a real relationship with God? How do you stop being too cerebral and just knowing facts and verses? Is that enough? So I think that's a great question. Um, And as somebody who is very type A and anxiety prone, I've, this is something I continue to work on because I'm a bit of a task completer. Like I told you guys, I'm doing the Bible in a year project. So it's very easy for me to fall into, okay, wake up, complete the assignment, move on, wake up, complete the assignment, move on. And to forget that I'm actively engaging with the living word of God. So sometimes it's more effective for me. You know, maybe I don't pick up my Bible that day. Maybe I go outside and I breathe And I look at the trees blowing around me. I look up at the sky. I think about the Holy Spirit being here on earth. I just meditate on who God is, the fact that he's everywhere, the fact that he sees me. And going into this sort of internal meditative place with God. And some people, you know, this can lead towards the secret place as well that we've talked about in other episodes where you just have this quiet place. Maybe it's a place where you do close your eyes and you visualize a place where you're meeting God. I think that can help you move out of this, like just knowledge-based seeking of God and into a more like emotional, relational-based seeking of God. And being someone who struggles with anxiety too, like I said, sometimes like it feels like the world is caving in on me and I don't know what to do. I can't catch my breath. Those are moments that I come into my room, you know, where nobody's going to look at me funny. I get down on my knees. I put my forehead on the floor 
and I just breathe and I cry and I tell him what's on my heart um, because I find that that's oftentimes what I need. Like when I'm feeling super anxious, it's like I feel like I'm not seen. You know, I forget that he sees me because people in the world, everybody's busy. We're all fallen. We're all just humans. We're all doing the best we can. Sometimes even our loved ones can't see us. Um, and I had to learn that with my husband as well, because I definitely placed relationships as an idol in my life um, before getting married and um, before coming to the Lord. This was a huge idol for me. And so it's been a learning curve to now be married and realize like we're two fallen people and he's not going to be able to fill all of those voids. And when I'm, when my soul is crying out to be seen and this panic starts to build inside of me, you got to go to a quiet place with God where you can just, like I said, cry out to him or meditate and think about him and think about his words and his promises for you. Hey, you guys, if you're in a relationship and trying to figure out if he's the one, or maybe you're recently single and taking a step back to figure out how to best go about finding the one, I have the ebook for you. Head over to the link in my bio or in the comment section from wherever you're listening to find my latest ebook, How to Know If He's the One. In this ebook, I share the worst of my relational mistakes and how Jesus finally showed me there was a better way. Gradually, he began to mend my heart, and I know he will do the same for you too. Is it okay for me to grow more than my husband since he never leads spiritually? He was also saved from the new age. How does one get discipled if nobody from our church can do it? That might have been a third part of the question. How does one get discipled if nobody from our church can do it? So I think that's actually two parts. So we'll start with the husband part. Is it okay for me to grow more than my husband since he never leads spiritually? This has been a big learning curve for me, you guys. So when I first became a believer, I spent a lot of alone time with Jesus trying to figure out who is this man? Who was this man? Who is Jesus? So that I knew what to look for in a husband. It's a huge part of my testimony was that quiet time with Jesus. And then my husband reached out to me on Instagram and he just embodied so many of the characteristics that I was looking for. Um, and just that that sacrificial love of Christ and his wholesomeness and all of these things. And we got married really quick. We got married two months into knowing each other total. Um, and mind you, a big part of that was a long distance online relationship. We knew each other in person for two weeks before we got married. So I was a little bit surprised and taken aback when we did get married. And then I found out that I was a bit more spiritual than him. And the first year of our marriage was actually probably the heart, like one of the hardest years of my life, because any good thing that God gives us, I really do believe Satan tries to steal it and get in our head. And I struggled a lot in my marriage where I was like, oh my gosh, did I do the right thing? Did I, did I rush this? Was I too rash? Like, I don't think, I don't know if he can lead me spiritually. I had a lot of those questions and fears. Um, and I started sharing this with uh, women that I went to church with. I had a Bible study that I started hosting um, on the Gospel of Mark where I had some older women, older married women come into my group where I was able to just be honest with these things and realize that I'm not alone. 
And in realizing I'm not alone, this these problems began to feel not so fatal. And, you know, true friends, people who are really good for you will call you out and call you up. And I had a lady in my group, Carmen. I love her so much. Um, I'm still, you know, I still have a relationship with Carmen in the church. And she would call me out for things that I would say or think, ways I would think about my husband. And she ended up gifting me this book called The Power of a Praying Wife. And another book that I've been reading is The Meaning of Marriage by Timothy Keller. And what these two books have taught me is a level of grace with my husband, for one, and for two, how to have that prayer life for him, like how to pray for my husband and just, yeah, once again, bring me back to a prayer life. So like I mentioned with the whole deliverance thing, it's like, I don't know if I really had a demon or if this was just a means to getting me to a stronger prayer life, then, you know, it was worth it. It's the same thing with this situation with my husband is like, it's brought me closer to God in that I realized that only God can fill me. Like only God can fill that God-sized void and only God can, can know all of my needs, meet all of my needs. No other human can ever do that. Um, and also learning to pray for my husband, pray for his spiritual walk, pray for his, that, you know, men would come into his life and that he would have, yeah, fellow believers help disciple him. And I've gotten to see God move in his life over the past couple of years because we've been married for two years now. And next thing I know, he's joining a men's group. Okay, like that's cool. It's a, a faith-based business men's group that he goes to every Tuesday where now he has these men in his life who are actively seeking God and pouring this into him. And, you know, he's going to church with me every Sunday and you know, he never led or did anything like this, but I started encouraging him to pray for our food. We used to take turns where, you know, I would pray for the food, he would pray for the food, but I'm the one that always cooks. And so I feel like he sort of took on the duty of like, okay, she cooked, so I'll start to pray. So now it's become a habit, you know, he's done it so long that it's a habit now. Every time we eat, he prays so much so that we went out um, with another couple from our church a few weeks ago who I would say, you know, they've been Christians forever. And V is the one that volunteered to pray for everybody. And I was so impressed because that's not the same man he was two years ago. He's he's grown so much. So it's like these little moments of seeing that God is moving in his life. I really had to take a step back and trust that God is his father and God loves him. And God wants his relationship, like he wants a relationship with him even more than I want them to have a relationship. And I just had to trust that this was all working, you know, on his timing, on God's timing, and and that he was working this out with my husband in his best timing, my husband's best timing. And it may, maybe it's not going to look like how I thought it should look like or, you know, any of the expectations I had, but I've it's just over time. And then going back to the first part of your question about the anxiety um, and like worries about the future, it's the same thing that I'm saying right here. It's like over time, I've become less anxious because over time, as I age, I have more evidence for the way that God has shown up in every one of those situations that I've been anxious about. And so maybe it could be a helpful exercise to like write out all those ways or the different ways that God has shown up for you 
or the different ways that you've seen your husband grow, even if it's a slow and steady journey, like, like God, like I said, he wants that relationship with him even more than you want them to have that relationship. So another part that I learned, this was really helpful is duck low enough that the Holy Spirit can hit. So no, I messed up the first part. Talk to God about it. Talk to God about the problem and then duck low enough so that the Holy Spirit can hit because there used to be, you know, like a problem. I would see this is a major problem. We need to talk about this. I'm the one always trying to tell him. And then he's not able to hear from God if I'm the one, you know, barking at him. So eventually got to the point and I'm learning about, you know, being a, a more submissive wife and, you know, talking to God about it and letting God deal with my husband And that's been really helpful for our marriage because I'm a very, like I said, I'm type A, hands-on. I like things to be the way I like them. And so I've really had to, you know, let my husband be the leader, be the head of our household, talk to God about the problems, and then let him, let God work on my husband's heart. I hope that was helpful for you. And then going to the third part of your question, so I don't miss that. How does one get discipled if nobody from our church can do it? Okay, this is going to have to go back to, you know, your husband's timing, his willingness um, to get involved with groups, because getting involved with groups is where you're going to meet more people. This is definitely where I've met other people and just gotten to know them over time, because you do want to be careful about who you let speak into your life and into your relationship. Um, And so it's not a haphazard thing of, you know, choosing somebody to disciple you. So finally, after, you know, a couple of years, there's people that I'm more so considering um, as sort of people who are qualified to disciple me and disciple us. Um, but I'm kind of bad at like reaching out, you know, and when I'm going through something, I kind of tend to isolate and go into an introvert season. I'm really bad at asking for help. So I feel like this one, I I couldn't really answer objectively beyond sharing my own experience of, you know, It's a little tough to find people who you feel like, you know, I look up to this person and I trust this person to speak into my life and my marriage. And I think it takes getting involved with the church, with groups and with service to deepen your relationship with people there and see who is quote unquote qualified to do that. Um, I guess, yeah, I would wonder, like, why does nobody seem qualified? Like, have you done that first part of building relationships and getting to know people? I guess I would like to hear that from you. And then we can, we can revisit, we can revisit that topic. Gonna take a quick second here to tell you about Raised and Redeemed merch. I somehow end up in my bright pink Raised and Redeemed crew neck nearly every day because it's so comfy and I love to tell the world that I have been raised and redeemed in Jesus's name. And wearing something that says that is a great conversation starter. Not only do we have crewnecks, but we also have t-shirts, hoodies, cropped hoodies, mugs, stickers, socks, and more. You can either follow the link titled Raised and Redeemed Merch in the comment section of wherever you're listening, click the link in any of my social media bios, or go to Raised and Redeemed And that's spelled out, raised, A-N-D, redeemed.creatorslashspring.com to order yours and support the show today. So I'm going to move on to question four. How has your faith changed and grown over time? 
I am new in the faith and wonder your experience of growth over time. Love the podcast, by the way. Well, just for starters, thank you so much for the compliment. This is a really hard one um, to answer. Once again, I still feel like, you know, I'm a baby <laughs> in my walk with the Lord. Um, but it I've grown so much. Uh, and I really feel like at first it was exponential. Like I came into the family of God and he cleaned up everything. It was like radical, radical. Ooh, I know what I'll say about this is because it was very like emotional in the beginning. It was very like, I felt him fighting for me. I felt the warfare around me. Um, I knew what God was doing. I felt him all around me. It was very intense and passionate. And I was like, oh my gosh, like this is my God. He's fighting for me. So then, you know, when a year goes by and I'm no longer having these crazy, like coming to faith moments, because now I'm, I'm, I'm at home. Like I'm with my father. I'm at home. It's not so much like he's not pursuing me as much as it felt like he was pursuing me in the beginning. The The best way I heard this described was how Christ pursues us. Like the husband pursues the wife, you know, before you get married, you have to kind of show out a little bit. And I definitely felt like he showed out. And then after you get married, now it's the test of commitment and loyalty. And will you stay true and keep doing the work and showing up even when you don't feel the emotional high all the time? So that's been a big thing I've been learning is that even if I don't feel God around me to know that he's still here and to continue to be faithful. And even when I'm going through a hard part, like a, I'm going through something tough, knowing that he hasn't left me he and he won't forsake me going back to, you know, the sword, knowing, knowing these verses, knowing what, what God says. So I've definitely had really dark season and spurts of time where, you know, a big part of my journey before coming to God was filling the voids because I had so much emotional baggage and pain and trauma. And so, you know, I used to fill my voids with drugs, with alcohol, with parties, with sleeping around. And then when I became a believer, this switched now to now I'm filling these voids with with God. And, you know, it's like I'm feeling this pain. I cry out to him. I'm confused. I don't know what to do. I read my Bible. Learning like more godly coping mechanisms has been a huge part of my journey. And then when I'm going through like, you know, a dark part of having cravings again, um, you know, cravings to get drunk or something like this, this has led me more into the family of Christ. Um, So this has led me to celebrate recovery for one example. Uh, It's led me to being more honest with the fellow believers I have in my circle so that they know how to support me and be there for me. Uh, And just really becoming a family member in the church. This is something that feels really awkward for me because I didn't grow up having a family. I feel like I don't really know. I don't really know how to have a family or a church family or like relationships were a big learning curve for me. And so to come to church and to not hide from people but to talk to people and to, I don't know, not feel this like relational fear and to reach out to people when I'm having help, like, or when I need help, this is like what I'm learning right now. Um, So yeah, definitely the emotional part, staying loyal and true, even after the emotional high of becoming a new believer wears off. Um, And then seeing the fruits of that, because every time I endure past 
a temptation or a dark part or, you know, a fight with my husband that seems like it's not going to end, but I remain loyal and true and faithful every time I see the fruits of that. I get closer to God. I get closer to my husband. And this all adds as evidence in my toolkit of the fact that like, I will make it through and God's got me and he's not left my side. There's one more question. This is uh, the fifth one. And it says, what shifts are you seeing in church culture? Are they positive, negative, and why? So I, okay, I don't feel fully equipped to speak about that, but my favorite resource uh, of someone who does speak about all these like current event news is Allie Beth Stuckey. She's my absolute favorite. She's like first on the scene, boots on the ground, reporting on things right as they happen about, you know, different things that are happening in the world at church. Like she's like, it's like literally a news station, Allie Beth Stuckey. Um, It's called The Relatable Podcast. Just going back to some of the things we've talked about, you know, just because of the cultural trend of all this witchcraft, like it's so, it's so trendy right now, you know, the witch talk, the crystals, the tarot cards, you know, we see the ex-Disney actresses, you know, getting really into the new age and just all this stuff is everywhere in the media. And if these churches and these church leaders aren't careful this can definitely infiltrate into the church. So there's that form of, you know, witchcraft coming into the church just because of the cultural movement. Also, like I said, like these deliverance ministers, I'm seeing a huge rise of this. And I just want to go back to saying, you know, to be so careful. It makes me think I have an episode with um, a girl from Germany who was saved from the new age. And she shared about an ayahuasca trip she had And when you're in the new age, you believe that you're doing this shadow work. And when you do this shadow work, you believe that you're like healing yourself, confronting your quote unquote demons, but they're not referred to as that. It's like you think you're confronting your shadow self and parts of you that need to be healed. What she saw, though, because God took the scales off her eyes to see in the middle of this ayahuasca trip with a shaman leading it, she saw that demons were actually coming in to these people. And so going back to the, that, you know, tidbit I shared of Jackie Hill Perry, it's just being careful for these high level witches that are claiming to do the work of God, but who are actually, you know, doing witchcraft in the church and in Jesus's name, even it's crazy. Um, being careful that you're not going to false teachers who are actually, you know, sending demons out into you so that you become dependent on these deliverance ministers instead of God. It's just, I see the parallels there of the new age witchcraft with the witchcraft that's now happening, like I said, in the church and people who are using Jesus's name. But I don't want to, I don't want to get hung up on that though, because I see even more good things happening in the church than I see bad things. And a big reason that I can now say that is because I started volunteering with high school girls on Wednesdays. And it's just crazy because the media will totally paint this picture, you know, that the youth is just lost and we should all be afraid and the world is crumbling. But I get to see these girls who just have this radical faith and who are praying for their friends and talking about Jesus. And it just like surprised me so much because at their age, I was lost in drugs and boys and parties. So to see these young people 
it's been very inspiring to me. And I want to actually read a verse on this. Um, it is Acts 2.17. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. And I see that happening. So like, don't be discouraged by the media or, you know, just like the fear going on out there, because as dark as the world gets, I see more people coming to Jesus because of that, because just like my story, they're realizing like, oh crap, if everything out there is really this dark, like I need someone to help me fight this. And that is Jesus. And so I see as the darkness in the world ramps up, so does the glory of God because people are coming home to him because they're realizing that they need him. And I've been personally convicted because, you know, because I did see a demon and that was a part of my testimony. And then I did fall into the fear of, oh my gosh, I don't want to let a demon in to where I feel like that was a big part of the focus of my podcast. But I'm really wanting to move towards focusing on what heaven is doing. And so another book I want to share with you guys, I, I've been talking about this book, but it's called Seeing the Glory by Ian Carroll. And he talks a lot about seeing what heaven is doing rather than focusing on what hell is doing. He said, the gift of discernment is for discerning good from evil and engaging with the good. Don't get me wrong. I believe in demons and I have seen them, but they only have access to our lives if we give them access. We have the choice to focus on what heaven is doing and to train our gift of sight to see it happen on earth. He talks a lot in this book about understanding, you know, the heavenly things, the heavenly hierarchies, you know, God's side of the spirit realm. And I don't know, this might end up being just as controversial <laughs> of a topic as deliverance, but I personally am wanting to focus more on what God is doing and, you know, his angels and different things in the heavenly realm. Something he said too that stuck with me is like, as we declare heaven's truth, more of heaven gets released onto earth. And so I had this epiphany when one of my sisters was listening to just this demonic rap music, like what I used to listen to. And it's all these like bad things of, you know, what they're going to do to women. And you, you know, you know how the rap music goes. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is declaring hell's truth. And when these lyrics and these lines of just these horrendous, you know, unwholesome things get stuck in these kids' head, heads. Now they're declaring hell's truth on earth and more of hell and chaos and pain and rebellion and recklessness is getting released onto earth. And so I've been really adamant about listening to my worship music, learning God's word, speaking God's word, and just administering more of heaven's truth, more of God's truth on the earth so that I can see, hear, and experience more of that. So I'm hoping that the, the direction of the podcast continues to move and like, yes, tell me about the dark side that you experience. And now like, what is God showing you? I hope that you enjoyed this episode. If you did, please leave me some feedback. Um, let me know if you would like to have more solo podcasts, more reflections. I can do more Q&As, you know, answer more of your guys' questions. Let me know. If you like this or if you're like, Michaela, never do this again. Just bring on more guests. I'm good with hearing that too. You know, call me out and call me up. <laughs> That's all I have for you guys today. Until next time. That's all I have for you today. Thank you so much for listening. 
If you enjoyed this show, I'd love to have you leave a review, share it with a friend, and even connect with me on other platforms. It's at Michaela Nikolenko on Instagram and TikTok. And we also have an at Raised and Redeemed Instagram account too. I look forward to connecting with you there. Until next time, stay well and God bless you.